Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We're in the second week of this series that we launched on the first uh, called New Year Fresh Start. And uh, we're going to take a little bit different uh, run at it today. So if you would grab your Bibles, head over to Isaiah chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. If you weren't here last week, I just have to tell you, you missed out. It was incredible. Uh, For those of you that were here, you know what I'm talking about. We ended up having to set up so many more chairs than what we expected and kind of Uh, It it was amazing. It was just uh, awesome. Just a few hours after we rang in the new year uh, for us to kick off the year by gathering, worshiping, opening God's word. It was fantastic to be here in God's presence with uh, other believers and just to to dive into the idea of new year, fresh start. If you weren't here last week, I challenged everybody on making individual goals for 2023 that were actually going to have eternal impact. And I, and I did something um, not well last week, and I have to apologize for that. And so let me correct it real quick, because uh, I, I want you to know I wasn't banging on you last week if you made physical goals. That's not the case at all, right? If you said, I'm going to lift, uh, I'm bench press more this year, or I'm going to lose 10 pounds, it sounded last week after we got done with it like I was actually beating you up last week. That's not the case at all. All I was trying to do is trying to encourage you to, to prioritize your spiritual goals over your, your physical goals. That's all I was trying to do. Uh, because deciding to become more like Jesus every day will have a far more profound impact in your life than losing 10 pounds. That's all I was saying. Um, if you want to lose 10 pounds, great. Go for it. I love it. But what I'm saying is I want you to place the spiritual goals ahead of the physical ones. How does that look? Well, let me give you an example. I've got a really, really good buddy. He works out all the time. Like that's his addiction, just constantly working out. But yet spiritually wasn't growing. And we were having this conversation. I'm like, dude, you're jacked. But spiritually, you're a weakly. Like we got to do something about this. And so what we ended up doing is he, and I thought it was awesome. This is like three years ago. He said, you know, here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prioritize this. And just as an example, this is what he did. He said, um, I'm like addicted to it. Like I've got my set time. I know when I'm going to do it. And if I don't do it, I feel empty and all this other stuff. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we were going through a study and he said, I'm going to do that study, that reading in the word of God before I ever go to the gym, before I ever work out. This is what I have to do. And if I don't do this, I won't work out. And you know what? It has had a massive impact on him. Uh, three years um, forward, he is grown by leaps and bounds spiritually. And so that's all I was saying is just prioritize those spiritual goals over the physical ones and maybe even use those physical ones to spur you on spiritually. Uh, Now, um, these are important goals for us as individuals because uh, we can. We can decide first of the year. We kind of set this uh, uh, moment in the year aside to say, okay, we're going to have a better year. We want it to be better than last year and to make these goals. It's just a natural time that we have set in our calendar to do that. And, and so I was trying to capitalize on that. And, and uh, you guys know, because two years ago, we went through a series called Atomic Habits. It came out of a book by James Clear. And one of the things that we learned is it's not about these big, massive decisions that we make. It's really about those small ones. 
And we learned that if we just got 1% better every day, then by the time we got to the end of the year, we would be 37 times better. That's how profound those impacts are. If you just take little steps, and, and the way we say it here are small steps of obedience in the same direction over a long period of time. If you do that, you're going to grow by leaps and bounds, especially spiritually. And so that was the individual aspect of it last week. And so this week, I want to talk to you about church-wide goals. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, you're here. If you're part of the MVF family, part of this church, if you're committed to this church, this is a body of believers. And, and God has stuff for us to accomplish as a group of people. So there's things for us as individuals, and there's stuff for us as a church together because there's things that we could do as a church that we couldn't do on our own. It's the way God's designed it. And so today, I want to talk to you about bitter grapes. Might sound kind of odd. And some of you are like, bitter grapes? I like wine, right? Uh, no, I'm talking about bitter grapes. Uh, and they'll even tell you, anybody that runs a vineyard, they'll tell you that it starts with the grape. If the grape's not good, you can't even make good wine out of it. And so bitter grapes are useless. They're, they're not good for anything. There's this uh, passage in Isaiah chapter 5. It's called the Song of the Lord's Vineyard. Isaiah is a prophet, and he's delivering a message to God's people from God. And I want you to, to see this because I think I'm going to make a point here in a minute that applies to us as well. This was written a long time ago, and it was to God's people. And you're going to see bitter grapes come up in this. It says this. Now I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press into the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. But the grapes that grew were what? They were bitter. Now you, people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. This is God saying, look, I planted you. I'm likening you to a vineyard. Um, I gave you everything that you needed, and yet you gave me bitter grapes. You judge. And he goes on to say this. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges I will let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of, heaven, of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are my pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. Now you might be thinking, what in the world has this got to do with us here in 2023, right? And you could say, well, that's Old Testament. And it's obviously God, you know, God was speaking this to Jerusalem, to his people, his, his nation Israel. That's what he was doing. And I love it when people say the Old Testament has nothing to do with us. Like it, it really it doesn't have any relevance for us today. And I say, no, absolutely not. It's the opposite the opposite of that is true. And I believe that this idea of God's people giving him bitter grapes instead of a good harvest definitely is relevant for us today as a church. It applies to us as a church because I believe that God's warning to his people should be heeded by all of his people. It doesn't matter when they come. It's something for us to learn and hopefully not to make the same mistake. 
Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to, to God liken me to a vineyard that gave him bitter grapes and say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to turn it over and let it, let it be ruined. Um, if, if you don't think this is relevant for us, let me just ask this question. How many of you know of a church or you know of a Christian? And don't point any fingers, okay? I'm just asking. Just raise your hand. Um, you know of a church or you know of somebody who calls themselves a Christian who does nothing but produces bitter grapes? Yeah, tell me that's not relevant, right? This is one of the problems that we have. And it's a, it's a warning that we as a church should heed. We need to be very careful that we are not the vineyard that produces bitter grapes. So how do we make sure of that? Well, here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to share with you kind of uh, one of the ways that we're going to make sure this doesn't happen. Because I definitely don't want to be that place. I don't want to be standing in that place where God is looking at me and going, um, I gave you everything. And I expected a good harvest, and you gave, gave me bitter grapes. But we're told as Christians we're supposed to produce a good fruit. And so uh, to make sure that we're doing this and that we're on the right track, what I'm going to do today, and I'm just going to give you the whole line here, is I'm going to talk about my responsibility in this to you. So I'm going to cover that. We're going to talk about this year's theme. I'm going to give you some of the vision uh, that we're working toward and some of the stuff that's going to be happening this year so you, you're not surprised by it so you know what's happening. And then at the very end, because we're talking about church-wide, I'm just going to have the whole, all of you stand as a, as a unified body and I'm just going to pray over you as we end. That's where we're headed today. I just gave you the whole roller coaster ride. So let's jump into it. Um, Paul is actually writing to a church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. And this, of course, is 700 years later. Isaiah wrote his 700 years before Jesus came. And then, of course, Jesus comes and he goes to the cross. He ascends into heaven. And then um, we have the apostles that are writing to the churches in the first century. And Paul is writing this to a group of people just like you and me. And just like a church like this. And, and they've got their issues just like we do. And he's trying to instruct them on how to make sure that they're not producing bitter grapes how they can produce a good fruit for the kingdom. And this is what he says. It's, it's just in-depth, and it is, it's detailed, and it's clear. I love this passage. He starts off by saying, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, if you underline or circle or write things in your Bible, which we highly encourage that, it's okay, you're not going to get struck by you know, lightning if, if you mark up your Bible. It's, it's actually a good thing to be doing. Uh, I would encourage you, circle um, or underline calling or called. And I'll show you why here in just a minute. You have a calling, and we are being begged by Paul to live a life worthy of that calling. What is that calling? Well, let's keep reading. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your what? Love. Love is a theme. It's, a, it's like this undergirding thing, this, this foundation for everything that Paul talks about within the church. He says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been, what? Called to one glorious hope for the future. Um, if you're underlining, underline that one or circle that one too and connect those two in the first verse as well because that's the exact same word in the original text. And he says, um, you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a disciple of his, what is your one glorious hope for the future? It's Jesus, right? 
So if you go back and you ask the question, well, what does he mean to lead a life worthy of the calling? What is your calling? It's, it's the one glorious hope for the future. You could say it this way. Um, live your life worthy of Jesus Christ. You were paid with a very high price. He stepped out of heaven, he put on flesh, he went to the cross and died for your sins. He paid a high price for you. And Paul is saying, don't take that for granted. Live your life worthy of that. I say that because one of the diseases that we have in the American church today is as we treat Christianity like fire insurance. I received Christ, so I'm afraid to go to hell. I don't want that just in case I'm going to receive Jesus, but I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And Paul is saying, that's not how it works. Live your life worthy of the calling. You've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us, so going individually here, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And in that, what's he talking about? That gift that we've been given as individuals. Well, you know that when we receive Jesus Christ, that we are, are made right with God, and so therefore we become dwelling places for his Holy Spirit. We know that God, before he left, said, said, it's better for me to leave, because if I leave, I'll be able to send you the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. So the gift is the Holy Spirit, but yet we know from last year that even in that, there's more gifts beyond that, because the Holy Spirit begins to give each one of us spiritual gifts that are supposed to be used within the context of the whole body. We'll see some church-wide gifts come up here in just a minute later on in the text. But it goes on to say, that is why the scripture says, when he ascends to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. I love the fact we're reading this right after Christmas, that moment when we, you know, we stop and we remember Christ stepping out of heaven, coming to earth as a, as a baby born in a manger. And it's this amazing, um, amazing time where we go, okay, God loved us so much that he came for us. And, and even in this moment of Christmas, when we're celebrating that and we're telling that story over and over again, it never fails. We always have quite a few people that come up and talk to us and go, it's just so hard for me to believe that. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that, that Jesus would come, that he would, that he would become fully human and fully God. That's just, that's incredible. I can't wrap my mind around it. And, and I would agree with you. I'd say it's beyond anything we can really comprehend fully. They have trouble believing that Jesus really is the son of God. And I was asked, I just say, how, how would we ever know the unknowable God if he didn't make himself known to us? That's what he was doing. I can't go down and buy a ticket on Southwest. Nothing? Okay. I, I can't go down and buy a ticket on Southwest and fly to heaven to visit God. I can't do that, right? And so the only way is for God to come down here to us. And those of you that have like a one-year-old, you know this. Because if you want to get, if you want to play with your kid, what do you do? You go, stand up, kid. Get up here on the counter. I need to play with you, right? No, you don't do that. You get down on your, your knees and sometimes on your belly, you get down and play with them. Why? Because that's the only way. 
And it's the same, same thing with God. He met us where we were at. He came here. He descended to our lowly world. Verse 10, it says, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Now we're going church-wide. He says the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers. Um, And then um, you might ask, well, what's their responsibility? That's a gift to the churches, but why? What's their responsibility? Well, I'm glad you asked because he He says it right here in verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. As a pastor, that's my job, is to equip all of you because God has work for you to do. He has a purpose for you, has things he wants you to accomplish in your life. He's he's got an unbelieving world that lives right around you that needs to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's got people for you to love, people for you to care for. We, we have a purpose. We have things to do that God has set before us. My job is not to save the people that you bring into the church on a Sunday morning. My job is to equip you so that you might be able to go to them and tell them how they might be saved. Does that make more sense? And see, it's one of the mistakes that we've made in churches for years is it was this idea of, hey, invite your friends, bring them in here. And then the idea was the pastor somehow was going to save them. And you guys know we can't save anybody. That's, that's Jesus' job. That's not my responsibility. It's not yours. That's Jesus. And, and so the idea is I equip you to go out and share Jesus with people, to point them to Jesus by fostering relationships. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It goes on because it says this is your responsibility, pastor, and then this is how long you need to do this. And by the way, there's not a great retirement plan for pastors. Do you realize that? Take, take a look at this next, next verse. How long am I supposed to do this? How long is this going to be my responsibility? Uh, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in Christ, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. When will that happen? Yeah, not until I'm standing in front of him going, hey, I was just talking about you, right? That's, that's when that's going to be fulfilled. So uh, guess what? Um, not, not a whole lot of retirement there. It's just, uh, this idea that we're going to be doing this until the day that we die. This is our job. It goes on to say, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of what? There's that word again, yeah. Um, Is anything about this section of scripture difficult to understand? Oh, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Like we get it. We understand what we're supposed to be doing. We know how to not produce bitter grapes. The only question is, will we do it? Will we receive this mission? Will we actually live on mission? Will we live lives worthy of the calling of the life of Christ? Now, how do we do that? How do we implement everything that we just read and make sure that we're not a church that's producing bitter fruits, that we're producing good 
fruit. How do we do that? Well, let me give you some very practical ways on how we're going to do that this year in 2023. Um, the first one, and I'm just putting these very simplistic, they're big, big terms, but I'm going to break some of them down for you. First one is we're just going to grow the kingdom. We're going to grow the kingdom. We're going to get serious this year about reaching our community, our schools, our workplaces for Jesus Christ. And, and, and let me just share with you this, I don't know, this might shed a bad light on me. I'm okay with that. Um, we were having a pastor's meeting a while back. It's been a few months ago. And I was just kind of venting to the other pastors. I'm like, man, it seems like we got a lot of new people coming into the church. Like we're seeing family after family walk through the door and different people and new faces. And, and yet we're not growing in numbers. What's the deal with that? Because either they're coming in and they're just leaving right away, which I don't think that's the case because we see retention. So many of you have just come in here recently and, and you're part of this church and you're getting plugged in and engaging. And I'm like, so either that's the case and I don't think that's the case or people are coming in and other people are going out the back door. But you would see the numbers grow. We should be seeing the church grow. Why isn't that happening? And the more we talked about it as pastors, we realized, you know, it's not the same group of people every Sunday. Like, most people are not coming to church every Sunday. It's, it's sporadic. And then we started talking about, man, if everybody showed up on one Sunday, what would that be like? Oh, my goodness. Like, we wouldn't have enough chairs for everybody. And so... We, we just started asking the question, okay, in order for the church to grow, what would need to happen? Like, where are we, where are we falling short? Because we know, as pastors, trust me, we sit and talk about this all the time. We know it's our job to equip you for the work that God has for you. And so the question was, where am I falling short? And where we landed, and, um, and some of this has come out of the last few years. Can I just be honest with you? Um, this has been a crazy couple of years, hasn't it, for everybody, but for church as well. Uh, and, and honestly, I'm just tired of the word COVID. I'm just really done with it. I'm ready to move on. Um, and I, um, I hate even using that as an excuse anymore. I'm like, that's not an excuse. We're done. Let's move. But if I'm honest, I would say it, it, disrupted, it disrupted a lot of things, even in the church. We were on a, a roll, we were equipping, we were training, we were doing all this stuff, and then when you break into the middle of that and split people apart for, you know, a good year at least, and sometimes longer than that for some of us, um, it disrupted everything. And so even though I'm tired of talking about it and all that other stuff, um, I have to be honest and say, I, if, I feel like as a pastor, like we've had to go back to square one again and start over. In many ways, it, we are doing that. And so this idea of growing the kingdom, because we know our responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work, and we're asking the question, where are we falling short? We said, you know, the thing that we have not done, and it's been years since we've done it, is teach people how to share their testimony. And so we've dubbed this year the year of testimony. And that sounds odd, but honestly, it, we started talking about it. If everybody was out on mission like they knew what their testimony was, uh, was and, and they were looking for ways of sharing it. What would it do in our community, in our workplaces and stuff like that? And uh, it's, we can't even imagine the impact that that would have. And so the more we talked about it, we said, okay, we got to teach people how to share because it's one of the five expectations that we have of every family member at Mountain View Fellowship. It's to share your faith with the world around you. But we haven't equipped you. That's my fault. That's my job. And I'm taking that one. But this year, we're going we're gonna to change it, especially in the next six months. We're going to talk about it a lot. Um, and here's what I want to do. I want you to learn how to give a 90-second testimony 
a 90-second testimony is not this testimony where you share your entire life and everything in 90 seconds, and at the end of it, everybody that's within earshot is like, I want to receive Christ, right? That would be great, but let's be honest, that's not what's going to happen, right? Um, What we're doing with the 90-second testimony is we're trying to open up spiritual conversations between you and the people around you. We want you to be able to share 90 seconds, just how God has transformed your life and what he means to you in a way that people go, what did you mean by that? Tell, tell me more about that. What, what did you mean that when you said your life was a wreck and God turned it into something beautiful? What are you talking about? We're just trying to open up more spiritual conversations where you can hopefully be able to talk a little bit more about the topic. That's why it's not a 90-minute testimony. Are you with me? Um, so 90 seconds to be able to share your testimony, to share it with the world around you. That's our goal this year. And here, here's what I'm praying about and thinking through and going, oh God, if you would do this and we could all learn our testimony, not only learn it, but live on mission every day to where when we leave the house, we're like, um, I'm looking for an opportunity to share my testimony with somebody today. God, what door are you going to open? And if we're living on mission like that, I can't imagine what God is going to do. And here's what I believe. I believe if as a body, as church-wide, we're doing this, you know what I think? And I think this is probably the furthest thing from some of your minds right now, but here's what I believe. I believe that many of you, you're going to be in here. You're going to be baptizing your coworkers, your classmates, some of your family members, because God moved in that moment, and you shared your testimony, and they said, tell me more. And you're able to point them to Jesus. That's what I believe. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to make the, um, we're going to um, grow the kingdom and we're going to do it by sharing our testimonies. We're going to teach you how to do that. We are going to equip you this year to be able to share a 90 second testimony. Uh, Second thing I want to just point out is we're going to make the gospel center. Um, You might be thinking center of what? I, I would say this, center of everything. Everything. The gospel, the gospel is going to be center in everything that we do here at Mountain View Fellowship. And uh, again, going back to what I said earlier, that disruption, right? It feels like in many ways we've kind of drifted away from some things. And this is one of those things we said, everything that we do, every event that we do, every ministry that we do is going to be centered around the gospel. Why? Because you have family and you have friends and you have coworkers and classmates that need to know that there's a God that loves them and gave himself up for them. He loves them, and he wants to use you to proclaim that to them. So we're going to make the gospel center in everything that we do here. As we continue to reach men, as we invest in our women, as we empower the next generation, the gospel will be center in everything that we do. Now, how are we going to do that in practical terms? Let me give you some ways that we're going to do it. We're going to kick it off starting next week. Uh, We have a new series we're going to introduce next week called Together. And I'm looking around the room right now um, because I want to make sure that I'm speaking to all of, especially the men in the room. We've got a lot of you in here today. This church has always been about reaching men. Uh, we, we felt like you never should have to turn in your man card to come to church, right? And I will tell you this. Men, uh, I just introduced a Together series. We're going to be talking about relationships, and some of you just said, okay, four weeks off. Good deal. And the reason I'm bringing up the men is because I'm just calling us out. I'm just going to say it this way. Uh, Men, we stink at this. We really do. And we need to do better. 
And so I want all the men to be the ones leading the charge in this next series to say, I'm going to be there. And if you have a family, I'm going to be there. I'm going to make sure my family's there and that we're present for this series because we're going to learn how to do relationships right. Why? Because it's all about relationships, every bit of it. Pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. Everything that's important in life is centered around relationships, and we need to do a better job of it. The ladies, for the most part, they do a lot better job in that relationship area than we do. Not all ladies, don't get me wrong, ladies, there's some of you that you got it messed up too. Uh, so ladies, you're gonna, get, you're gonna get a lot out of this series as well, okay? But I am gonna be taking more of a, a male approach to this. Can I say men, women, can I do that? Sounds so goofy, doesn't it? Like I... Like, I'm going against everything our culture is saying right now. Anyway, men and women, we're going to be talking about both of those in this next series, and I'm going to be taking it from a, a more of a male slant because we just, we just need it more. So anyway, enough said on that. Next thing that we're doing is we're working on launching two Saturday night services. Uh, we want a, a service off of Sunday. We have so many people in our community who've said, hey, I, uh, and I hear it all the time, you know, when I go to the hardware store and stuff like that, when are you going to um, have a, a Sunday service off of Sunday? Because I'm working Sunday and I can never make it, but yet I want to come. And so we've got a whole mission field that we're just missing because we only offer it on Sunday morning. So we want to do it on Saturday night. The other thing about that is we're doing two services, one being Spanish speaking. And what we've realized over the last five to eight years, God has brought an entire mission field right under our nose. And we have, not, um, we have not done anything to share the gospel of Jesus with them. God died for them. He loves them. He wants a relationship with them. And we're right here and we need to tell them. And so we're going to start a Spanish-speaking service. And I want to introduce to you guys real quick, um, Angel and Brooklyn... They are right. If you would raise your hands for us, please. Thank you. There you go. There's Angel and Brooklyn. And uh, they are uh, just awesome. They have stepped forward, and they're kind of our point people to help us get this going. So if you're interested in helping with any of the Spanish ministry, getting the Spanish-speaking service up and running, they are the ones that you need to go and talk to. We're trying to put a team together and get that going right away. So we are thrilled to have them here uh, and a part of that as well. So thank you, guys. So that will be coming, uh, and then, the, of course, when we launched the church 17 years ago, even before we were a church, it was just a group of people in a basement praying, one of the things that we knew that God placed on our heart was he was putting a group of people together to reach Eastern Colorado. That was it. Like, it wasn't just a Strasburg Bennett Byers thing or anything like that. It was, it was going to be Eastern Colorado because nobody was reaching Eastern Colorado with the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to put this on you, and I want, want churches launched out. I want, I want people to know Christ, be baptized and gro- being grown up and discipled in the name of Jesus Christ, and you're going to do it. That's, that's really what was placed on our heart. And so since that time, 17 years, we've been working on this idea of launching and getting going, and we're finally at a place now where we are working toward launching a church out in Lyman. And uh, I'm very excited about this because uh, we actually have in this service, uh, Doug and, and Stevie are here with us. And I know you guys got babies and all, so if you can't stand up, if you just want to raise your hand. Uh, oh, actually, Mama's got babies. Could you stand up for us? Be possible? So Doug and Stevie came. Uh, they, are, um, they are living out in the Lyman area. They've been coming to church here for a while. But here's the thing. Um, they were actually pastors out in Hawaii for a while, and we are very blessed to have them moved back to this area. They didn't know why they were coming back, and we're like, we know why. 
And so um, they are, on that side, going to be the spearhead for helping us get boots on the ground, form a launch team, start some ministries out in Lyman, uh, get some, maybe a mops group, a prison ministry. And we're talking about all kinds of things right now, just getting going. And you need to know them because here's what's going to happen. We're going to start taking some trips out there. And I hope that you'll be a part of them. We're going to take a busload of people out. Maybe we'll drop you off in strategic locations, have you walk to a certain place while you, and pray as you walk. And then we'll have a prayer service or something, a worship service, have dinner. We'll do some different things out there. Um, and so um, if you're interested in anything going on with Lyman, you've got faces now. So make, make sure you get over and meet them and uh, get to know their family. So uh, thank you, guys. So we are moving in that direction. I'm excited. It'll be the first, uh, first step in, in reaching eastern Colorado, going out beyond here. Uh, another thing that we're working on right now that is up and running is our counseling center, Hope Renewed. And we are thrilled about this. Uh, I'm looking for Atlanta. Atlanta Cook, where's she at? Oh, migraine this morning. Oh, my goodness. So she needs a doctor. Uh, so, no, she, yeah, yeah. Well, she's probably got a, a migraine because she's, um, she's already counseling. So uh, she is seeing, she's taking clients right now, so that's been awesome. So we already have somebody, we're bringing somebody else in here shortly to help with that. And so we are already up and running. What we're looking for is a home now for them. Now we, they're taking over an office and doing the work here, but we want to put them in their own place, own location. So if you see a place, let me know. I would definitely appreciate it. So with all of that said, it's leading us to this place where we are working on a new facility uh, for this property. And this has been in the works for quite a while. Uh, we're just calling it a wellness center because we don't know what else to call it. Uh, wellness center because what we said is we wanted people when they come in, whether it was mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual health, we wanted them to get healthy in this building. So we're just calling it a wellness center. And of course, in this wellness center, it's going to be the ultimate home of our counseling center, Help Renewed, where we can do marriage, child, family, addiction, financial counseling, things like that. Uh, also house our AA group, our NASA life recovery groups. We can move them over there. They would have a space for that. We'd have a full workout gym where you go in and start working out and have trainers available for you as well. We'd have classrooms where we could do tutoring, uh, we could do Financial Peace University classes, we could do English, uh, I'm sorry, English as a second language classes, and we could just get a list as long as my arm on that one. We could just go on forever on the classrooms. Uh, a food bank, and I just want to pause just for a second and just tell you, um, when we say food bank, a lot of people get different ideas on what we mean by food bank, and I just want to tell you, one of the things that we're wanting to do is to provide a food bank where it, uh, it is more like a grocery store. So they come in, they get their list, they can grab a cart, they can go through, they can get their items, and they can leave with their items. And the reason for that is because we don't want to strip anybody of dignity to get help. Does that make sense? And so, um, so I'm very excited about the food bank. I can't wait to see that uh, just start coming, and we're excited about getting that going. Uh, another thing, uh, another part of this building is actually a children's area, a child care area. We'd have a licensed child care, people watching kids. So if you come in for counseling or whatever, uh, they can watch your kids. And uh, you're not having to pay an arm and a leg for counseling or for child care and all these things that we have to do just to get better. It seems like it just makes things worse. And so we're, we want to help in that child care area, I think, would be a good one. Um, the other one is a main gathering area. And uh, th this I've talked about a few times. It's just a connection area. It's a, it's a big fellowship area, massive open area 
tables and chairs where people could gather and, and um, there would be a cafe there where you could actually get um, burgers or hot dogs or whatever for two bucks, you know, something cheap. And, and my, my vision is that we would come in here on Sunday mornings, you would invite your neighbors and stuff and they would come in, you guys would enjoy a service and you would leave here and go right over to that building, walk in, grab a table, grab some food, let the kids go over and play in the playground area. We'd have an indoor play area, outdoor play area. Um, and so depending on the weather, uh, you can decide whether you want to go outside or indoors. And, and you can sit. Um, inside would have TVs all around. You could sit there. You could have conversations, fostering relationships. You might, hear, you might have heard that before. Um, and watch maybe a football game, have stuff on the TVs, and, and you guys can chill out and just relax. Uh, we don't have a place like that out here. And um, we, we just realized there's a great need for that to be able to foster those relationships. And so th- that's all part of the Wellness Center. Again, I'm just kind of skipping the surface on all this, but there's been so many discussions and drilling down in all these different areas and what it's going to look like and how to use it. And I wish I had more time just to share all that with you, but there's so much stuff going on. And, and I hope that you understand all of this is aimed at seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. Never mistake that. It is about reaching a dark area. Um, Even within this church. You know, I told you earlier, just watching people sit, we've we've got a church that's hurting. We we think we're hurting in here. Just walk outside of these doors and see what's happening to to families and, and people that have no hope. We are the hope. We are the bright light in this dark area. And I'm so anxious to see what God is going to do as we move forward with this. And, and I don't want to be that church that circles the wagons and just offers nothing but bitter grapes. I want us to be the church that has a profound impact and, and every one of us to, to play our role in that and engage in that so that we might see God move and do some mighty things in this. And I keep dreaming through this and going, man, if we, if we really saw this and we caught the vision and, and we started to move in that direction, what could happen? Like, what if we got it right? What would happen? I think Isaiah talked about it. Even though he gave us a bad picture in chapter 5, if you go to chapter 58, you see the opposite side of it. In, in chapter 58, Isaiah is actually delivering another message from God to his people. It's a better one. And it says, starting in verse 6, No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go home. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. And your wounds will quickly heal Remember I said we had a hurting church? Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Can you get that picture? Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like 
a well-watered garden like an ever-flowing spring. I don't want to offer bitter grapes to Jesus. I don't. What does a well-watered garden and an ever-flowing spring do? It feeds and it quenches. They satisfy the hunger and the thirst. There's a world all around us that hungers and thirsts for truth, for life, for purpose. And you, you found the only thing that satisfies us in Jesus Christ. And it is our job to take it and share it with the world around us. The only question that I have is in 2023 as a church, what kind of fruit are we going to produce? What will we offer to Jesus when we get to the end of this year? What's it going to look like? What will it be? Because I promise you this, God is moving. He's assembling a group of people right here at MVF to change Eastern Colorado and beyond that, I believe, to change the world. And you might think that you're here by accident, that you just stumbled in here or somebody invited you. I don't think so at all. You're not. It's not by accident. God brought you here because he has a role for you to play. He has something for you to do. This is not by accident. You're part of this body because he wanted you to be part of this body. We want MVF to be a church that is so in tune with the spirit of God that we look and we act and we move like Jesus Christ. And when the world looks at us, they won't see us. All they'll be able to say is, I just know God is in the midst of that. God is the one that does that. I believe if we are true to this, we won't be a vineyard which produces bitter grapes, but we'll be a well-watered garden or an ever-flowing spring that feeds and quenches. And can I just say, go. Like it's time. It starts right here and right now. Uh, we're starting it actually tonight. The celebration service at seven o'clock. I hope you'll come back for it because this is a massive celebration. We celebrate with the heavens on these nights. We, we come in, we worship together, we dedicate babies, we baptize people. It is a great time. And there's a party in heaven, there's a party here, and I hope you don't miss out on it. Be here, and maybe God will start to, to shape your heart around what it is that he wants for you to, to do in this body. Is that a deal? I hope to see all of you back tonight. Uh, here's what I want to do. I, wanna, I know I just gave you a ton of stuff. It's like drinking from a, a fire hydrant, but I, I just want you to stand with us um, as part of this church. Would you just stand? And I just want to pray over all of us as a body of believers together. Is that a deal? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for each person here. Praise you for the fact that this is not an accident, that you are moving, that you are directing and guiding us, Lord. And I thank you for all of the things that that you will do in advance this year. God, I look forward just to uh, stand in awe of your spirit moving and working in and through us and, and watching each person in this room begin to reach out and share their testimony with the world around them. And Lord, I, I look for those days when uh, I get to stand and watch people baptize their family and their friends and coworkers and classmates into Christ and then begin discipling them. Uh, Lord, we just, we want to be that light in the dark. I pray that we would be faithful to that, that you would, through this church, produce fruit that is pleasing to you. God, we just ask that you would take this, do whatever you want with it. We are here to serve you. We pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.